we're back at it here. The Rookie Showcase. Used to have not a name. We have a Rookie Showcase name now. Myself, Kramer Stanton. We have Rocco Scarcello over here. And we got some sports to talk about. Am I right? Oh, you are very much right. It's been a while since we've been in here, and a lot has happened. Yes. Uh, well, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, were Super Bowl champions. We haven't had a podcast since the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's been that long. But, hey, we're back at it. <laughs> that's, 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 that's our schedule right there in a nutshell. We are busy as heck, but we're going to talk about what the Chiefs need today. Some QB carousel in the league and also, I mean, the NFL draft's coming up soon, late April. We know that. We know there's quarterbacks going to be taken probably first overall like the past two years. But let's get back into it as the Kansas City Chiefs needs, Rocco. I know you're the Chiefs fan here. I know I'm not. Wait, who are you a fan of for the listeners? Of uh, the Oakland, well, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders right there. Okay, just wanted to... You know, for good faith, wanted to get that out there. But you do have a good sense of the Chiefs, I must admit. Oh, yeah. I you mean, would think you're a Chiefs fan if you didn't know. If I work in – oh, please, no. I, I never want to have someone think, oh, Kramer's a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I That's mean, I, I actually thought you were a Chiefs fan. I thought you just wore the Raiders hat for show. Oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I honestly, I personally feel like that the Chiefs right now are just – they're there, but they have a lot of holes they need to fill. You of know, course you, know you do. I mean? <laughs> it, but I know they're the Super Bowl, they're reigning Super Bowl champions. They can easily – win anything because they have Patrick Mahomes but this is a team that is lacking running backs uh, clearly LaShawn McCoy is not coming back but then again he didn't even factor the last eight weeks of the season Damian Williams I don't believe is the answer but I don't know what, what your thoughts on about running backs I don't think that the running back that the Chiefs are going to hand the ball off to the most this year is in the backfield right now I don't think he's on the roster I, I do think that Damian Williams will play a big role and I think Darwin Thompson could play a role as well but the running back of the future for the Chiefs is not on the team right now. And that's the thing. I've, I've seen people say, oh, we want David Johnson. Oh, of we want Kenny, the guy running back for the Cardinals. Uh, the other one, Kerwin Kenyon Johnson. Drake. Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yeah, they so had a couple two, running backs So two of those guys that both in Arizona possibly maybe end up a Chief, maybe Devontae Freeman. But when I was going through the top 40 running backs that the NFL put up uh, a few nights ago on YouTube – I mean, they had Damian Williams at 23, and all the other guys were like either at 31, maybe at 29, and I, I believe David Johnson's at number 40. So if you already have a, a a top running back, say a 23rd rank out of 40, Damian Williams, maybe you might want to stick with him, but honestly, I feel like the biggest thing that they can do here is go for it in the draft and draft, say, a Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. And I, I see that that being, you know, a, a need that would be nice to fill, but there's no reason, in my opinion, in the first round of the draft – to essentially get a player who's going to take the ball out of Patrick's hands. Although I understand that having that running back would definitely give him, I mean, you have to stack the box against a running back who you fear. And I think that there is a possibility for that there, but I don't want it to go first round with it. I think that still is a position that they can use a guy like Damian Williams or think about how they found Damian Williams, like through free agency. And really, I believe from another team's training camp, if I'm not mistaken, or uh, from their practice squad. So Realistically, that's where I think the Chiefs should go. But I do think that's a, a thing they need to address as well through free agency. And so you both agree that Chiefs need a running back. They the answer is not Damian Williams. I can I I think that Damian Williams will play a big role in the offense next year. I just don't think that there's going to be one bell cow running back, and I think the one who gets the most carries won't be Damian Williams. And we also agreed upon that they're looking for a cornerback. I mean, there's a hole right there easily. Honestly, you can easily easily draft a player through this one to help gain or something but right now it's lackadaisical with all the cornerbacks right now in the nfl free agency it's the easiest thing to do is go and hopefully you can draft the right the right person 
Right. And, I mean, I see where I stand with that, I guess, would be that the Chiefs have multiple people. Like, there's, this is a pretty decent cornerback class as well. There's not one specific defensive player I, I necessarily fluctuate to, but I want to see a player kind of, you know, who they can draft, even if it comes a little bit later, who they think could, um, in theory, mold to the defense. But I want them to be able to play cornerback and safety position a little bit just because you don't know exactly what Juan Thornhill's uh, situation is looking like. We know that he's projected to be coming back faster than expected. Yeah, he'll be ready. And that's that's what everybody's saying. That's what everybody's saying. But we thought Eric Berry would be ready. We thought that, I mean, this has been a, a kind of a, a situation that I'm still nervous about considering it's a torn ACL. And until we see him back, I, I still would be a little bit leery of him being back for week one at this at this early in recovery. You know, so I think in the draft, they should at least look for somebody who could play cornerback, but also have some tape playing safety in college who can kind of play, um, you know, maybe the posi- uh, position moving forward being, you know, somewhat of a uh, a roving position or how, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm losing Rover. the word. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no. You, It's just something they could possibly have because if they say they play like the nickel defense, you're going to need it. So it makes sense that way. Plus also on defensive side, they need a linebacker. They need linebackers. Frank, Frank Clark can't do it all because they, they used him as an edge almost. So it says you need to get some more interior linebackers or even exterior linebackers. Maybe you need another edge on the other side to help. I guess if you keep Chris Jones, have Chris Jones in the middle, Frank Clark on the left, and say a person that I actually like out of Wisconsin, Zach Bond. I, I hope the Chiefs hit falls to the Chiefs in the first round right there. If they can have Zach Bond on the left side, maybe Frank Clark on the right, or even switch those around, if you can have an, another exterior edge type of player that can also play the interior just like Bond, it's a it's a method for madness and for the Chiefs that linebacker need I believe might be the top priority if it's not corner and or running back, and I I can understand why people think the linebacker position is one that needs to be really looked at, um, and I think that the draft will be a good place to do it. But I do think that they've had marginal success at least getting free agent linebackers, and if they don't see a linebacker who could translate to be like Derek Johnson or um, you know yeah Derek Johnson, then I don't know if necessarily that's where they need to go or to extend forward with it and quite frankly this might you know i would be okay taking another wide receiver i I don't want to necessarily do it in the first round but this is patrick's team and i think that every pick needs to benefit patrick and if that means getting a defensive player i get that if that means strengthening your defense that way patrick doesn't have to do it all then so be it but i would really if you go running back it has to be one who can catch passes in my opinion and i would be okay going first round wide receiver here it's a deep class, and whoever the Chiefs would choose to take, I know they vet it properly. Would like to see a big body as well. Now, but, if you go for that prototypical wide receiver for the Chiefs, short, very fast, can catch up the football. And that's that's pretty much every single wide receiver you can see in this draft, except for a handful of guys who are six foot four, maybe six foot five. A person that I feel like that could be there. That is a I I personally, from watching his tape, a top five wide receiver as Shelnot Jr. out of Colorado. I feel like he's. I know he, he hasn't had, got as much talk as a lot of guys have. And that's a thing because he was hurt pretty much half the season. But seasons prior, he's a really good wide receiver and he has really good hands and he's really quick. I know a knee injury might factor to slow down some speed, but yeah, he'll be fine. And but a wide receiver could possibly be a big need for the Chiefs. This, this wide receiver class is. I I believe it's just like the 1996 wide receiver class for. Guys, you can see a steal in the third round like Terrell Owens. I honestly could see this happening. And, you know, with a guy like Chenault Jr., he's a guy who could end up falling, um, according to CBS, uh, their draft prospect ratings. He is the 30th player in the draft. So that's a guy who could fall, a guy, uh, the wide receiver right above him, according to this list, 
would be T. Higgins out of Clemson. And that's another guy who, if he falls a little bit, I don't know how the Chiefs pass up on him. You got a 6'4", 216-pound guy who, I mean, he's nice. T. Higgins is going to be nice in the NFL. And don't get me wrong. I just don't think he'll fall. I thought it was crazy that the Chiefs took McCole Hardman before D.K. Metcalf. Both had really good seasons this past year. D.K. Metcalf's kind of like that. I mean, if he's that blip. I believe he was in the third round when he got drafted. I can see Shelnott Jr. being dropped all the way to the third round and be a steal for a team kind of like how Metcalf was for the Seahawks last season. Well, and the thing that I think would keep that from happening would be the fact that there are so many running, uh, so many wide receivers. I just don't know. If, if you're not taking Chanel, then I don't know who you're going with. I mean, if, unless you go away from wide receiver position. I just don't know if there there's a good amount of separation after Chanel, I would say, between the next tier of wide receivers. And there are some good ones, too. But oh, there's a, there's a, a, a lot there's a, of good there's ones. There's a, quite a few good ones. Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of those guys, 6'2", He could go up go and get blue. some passes for you. Yeah, not, got a little bunnies there. So there's definitely like, you know, not to take away from your point at all, though. I do think that they should be looking in that direction. I just I don't want to overstretch for it. If a guy falls to you, even I'll go Schnault. I, I could understand why they would go there. But if T Higgins falls to you, don't pass up on that. But don't you don't have to necessarily try trading up to get a wide receiver. There's enough down here or with the Chiefs talent they already have. You can wait a little bit and go in the third round. See who else can fall to you there. And if I was the Chiefs right now. I would not be surprised if they try to go for Trent Williams on the offensive line, put him at third left tackle or right tackle. We already know the tackles for the Chiefs. Yeah, they're blah. And Mitchell Schwartz on the right, you have. I mean, that's one of the. He's one of the one best. Of, he's one of the best in yes, the game. He is. And, and Eric, and Eric Fisher. Fisher has been very reliable. I'm. I, I don't know if he's necessarily the absolutely most talented tackle available, but I'm okay keeping Eric Fisher. It's the interior that personally, as a Chiefs fan, I'm worried about, but. I don't know exactly where you go, how you how you get there. You know, I don't know if you want to overspend in free agency or if you want to rely on a rookie. This might be a case where it worked for you. You just try to hold on to as many guys as you have before. Would you Would you be okay? Um, I know you're not a Chiefs fan, but would you be okay if the Chiefs did that? And with that round, it just kind of just basically retained the offensive line to the best of their abilities, maybe besides Cam Irving. If they can get some interior guys, then hopefully, yes. I could see it working. You, but it, you do want to pick up somebody it, else on the interior, at least one spot. At least one spot, pick somebody up in the interior. There's just too many question marks in there. I, I, I'm, I would be okay with that as well. I don't. I think that's a situation that you know when you, you get a guy like Nick Allegretti uh, in the seventh round, and he stays on the team the entire season. That's encouraging. It makes me think yeah. that you can continue to look low, just if nothing else, because of the fact that your quarterback is so far advanced. I don't want to be having him protected for forty million dollars a year by an offensive line worth about twenty five million a year by any means. But he does overcompensate for some of the the shortcomings of an offensive line. And he does, yes. I mean, and that's not something that you know you should take lightly or play too. But it is something that you should keep in mind when building a team. I think to at least some extent. So right now, if the Chiefs needs, I believe they should at least go for a running back, some offensive, uh, some offensive weapons such as a wide receiver. Give me a cornerback in there, and of course, those linebackers are the biggest role. Rocco looking for a cornerback, free safety, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, pretty much the anybody except for Patrick Mahomes. I would really, be, I'd really be okay with um, in the first round taking the best available cornerback or free safety. Once again, I don't have necessarily. I'm not going to lie and just be like I'm a cornerback person because I'm not. I don't exactly know how to project these guys. I, I'm learning, but I'm not there yet. So whoever they would choose to go with there, I would, that's good. But I want to have that, you know, the, the moving forward, it would be a player who can play both positions. But then after that, yeah, running back and free agency, wide receiver in the draft, and offensive line, whatever makes the most sense. The one position, as you were saying, though, is not quarterback. 
And, ex- and we do not need quarterbacks, but there are a handful of teams yes, who do, are. and there are a handful of options available. Yes, and let's start off with the first guy, Tom Brady. He's the biggest name out there. Where, where do you think he's going? I think that as a Raiders fan, you should be prepared to buy a TB12 jersey. Oh, I will. I will. And I've already tweeted it out saying I would actually mm-hmm. purchase a Tom Brady Las Vegas Raiders jersey. You say actually like like we wouldn't expect that. I mean, yeah. There's I, no I, reason I, for me not to. I, I expect you fully, like within a week of him being in Las Vegas, if that ends up happening, I expect you to be wearing that, that jersey to Intercom. Oh, yeah. No, seriously. Well, I don't know if it's going to make it that way that quick to me after I order That's a good point. That's a Plus, good point. Plus, I also need to financially check to see if I <laughs> have available funds. But yeah, yeah I, I'm. If you think it's the if they're gonna if he's going to Vegas, I'm agreeing with you. I would start putting money in the piggy bank there. Yeah, I, it's gonna be Vegas. I, you see these teams, the little sneaky teams like the 49ers pop up, and the question is thinking, like, there's no way he's going to the 49ers. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. I can see Indianapolis might be a destination point for him, kind of like if a, a reverse Peyton Manning have him come there for two years, possibly win two Super Bowls for him, or just one. But I don't. I, it's it's gonna be a stretch for him to go to either the Chargers. Either it's also a very good stretch for him to go to the Vegas because you're playing Patrick Mahomes twice. You know, but I I could see, I think he's going to land in the AFC West, and I honestly wouldn't be overly surprised if he went to Denver. I don't think I would be absolutely floored. They already have a quarterback. I think I, I think so too. I don't think they. I don't think it's the move they should go with. But I could understand why they would go that direction, just considering if they really think that Tom Brady with the wide receivers they have out there, which are pretty nice. You know that they could stretch this, but it's a little bit weird. And you mentioned Indianapolis being another option for Tom Brady, and it is. But I think we can we can agree that there's one quarterback specifically when you look at the um, you know at the list here who really should probably end up landing in Indianapolis. Yeah, that's Philip Rivers. Absolutely. And, and I honestly was thinking Philip Rivers could possibly go to Tampa Bay because he's moving his entire family along with 20 kids. To to there, so it's like that is very. Maybe, he's had twenty kids. <laughs> maybe that's your your destination, your home away from home. Cause, I mean, he drove to. He lived in San Diego. He drove to Los Angeles to play when they were having their games in L.A. Still, nice free agent. Maybe he's not making that drive from Tampa Bay all the way up to Indianapolis every Sunday <laughs> for a game. There's no way for that. But I can see him living there, playing in Indy. You can easily do that. And I feel like Indy is the best choice. Jacoby Brissett is not the right answer for them after that injury. He's not looked like the the same quarterback. Who knows if he's even the quarterback for them next year. He may look great because he's healthy. He hasn't been hit around a couple of times or a couple hundred times the way that the <laughs> offensive line works for them. I think Phil Rivers might be a good answer for them in Indy. I think that the, whoever Indianapolis goes with has to have a quick trigger. I could really see them looking at a guy like Drew Brees. Um, or, I mean, see, and that's why a guy like Jameis Winston doesn't fit in Indianapolis because you just don't have, I don't think, quite the the makeup right there. When it look, you come to a guy like Phillip Rivers, he can do whatever you need him to. Like, he's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's one of the best free agents available, and he can do pretty much whatever you need him to. And going on the next quarterback on the list, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's the clear candidate. If Tom Brady leaves, he's going to New England. And I feel like this might be a good toy for Bill Belichick to have to start off fresh because any type of system out there, Teddy Bridgewater fits. I mean, that system was all set for Drew Brees last year, and he was able to win every single game he had to start for when Brees was hurt. And that's that's Breeze's scheme right there. And I feel like Bill Belichick can work anything in. If, heck, you can give Bridgewater to Tom Brady's work ethic from last season, that all the schemes, I can see him winning, what, 10 out of the 16 games? Well, and see, the thing is with, with New Orleans is that I don't think that Drew Breeze, uh, the offense last year was Drew Breeze's offense. 
in terms of the offense that we had expected them, you know, or that we've seen them run over his duration there. It was more of a run-heavy offense. And that is something, however, that translates to New England. That's something that they they will throw off the pass. That's what they want to do. And they have, a, you know, a gang of running backs for that particular reason. So it would fit well for, for Teddy Bridgewater there. I think, however, that this is a situation where he ends up in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I think that they've been waiting for a long time to have a mobile quarterback. And especially now that Melvin Gordon, as of today, he's on the he, he's going to be testing for agency. So I think that this is one area where maybe they go cheaper running back. And they do upgrade a quarterback through the. I know they have Easton Stick on the on the uh, the roster, and there is possibility there as well. But I could see that being a Teddy Bridgewater and Easton Stick battle for the quarterback uh, starting quarterback position moving forward. So Jameis Winston is no longer Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and I do not feel like he will be signed by any type of team <laughs> out there. Hater. Such a hater. He went from thirty thirty to having a twenty twenty vision now, but I don't see him. He has a great arm. If there's any team. That he could possibly go to. I'm sticking with free agent free agent wise. Vegas is probably the go to for him. That's the thing that if it's say. if it's not a free agent, it's gonna be Vegas. And that's what I do not want. But I'm sticking lock on him being a free agent. I mean, if Tom Brady doesn't go to Las Vegas, then I think that they would be wise, honestly, to pursue Jameis Winston. I think that there's you know, there's possibility there in theory. I think he's gonna stay in Tampa Bay. I just think that eventually the 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 the, the Buccaneers are gonna look around and realize there's not very many better options who are willing to come to Tampa Bay. You already have him. Let's just pay him. All right, let's let's agree on this right now. Drew Brees, a saint. I just don't see him leaving at this point in his career. I, I don't either, unless he goes back to the Chargers and, and there's pushes po- it off there. That, <laughs> I hadn't really thought of that. That's interesting. But I was, wasn't there bad blood when he left Los Angeles? And I'm not for sure on this. So I'm not trying to slander anybody. Yes, because they drafted Eli Manning. Then they decided to trade for Phillip Rivers because they knew that they wanted that backup right as him. It's kind of like a passing of the torch type thing, but he didn't like that. Okay, that's see, I remember something similar, but in 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 this case, I couldn't see him going back. I guess, but so okay, so we're hitting with the Saints with him, Dak Prescott. We're gonna rely on him as a Cowboy still. Yes, same, yeah. Uh, now franchise tag probably. Oh, and that's the thing. Mike McCarthy thinks he can win a Super Bowl with him, and if he's gonna be on a franchise tag, maybe you should be paid like a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Cause it's not gonna happen yet. So maybe you franchise tag him, then you pay him, or you can just cut him loose because. Dak Prescott. Yeah, it's going to be franchise hacker bust there, I think. Ryan Tannehill. This is weird that you put I, – I, I put two tie, Tennessee tie, Tennessee Titans, if I can get, to, get that right <laughs> out of my mouth. In here, we have Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota. I think Ryan Tannehill will be the person that stays with Tennessee. And they were announcing right before the Chiefs playoff game that uh, against Tennessee that Ryan Tannehill was – they're looking to re-sign him. I thought it was silly. I still think it's silly, but that, that's what it sounds like they're going to end up doing. I mean, all you need to do is re-sign Derrick Henry, and you just need a person that hikes the ball and hand it off to Henry. That's all you really need. We Honestly, you could be the quarterback for Tennessee right now. I know I have had uh, been in contract negotiations, but we're not quite equivalent on a number that's, yet. That's so. probably tampering for you. Stay, what you're yeah, stay, right stay tuned. Now. Marcus Mariota, I think he could be this upcoming chief. I know. <laughs> Kansas doesn't need a back quarterback because they can easily sign Matt Moore to a, a really cheap one or even if they bring back a Henny. I think the way that Andy Reid brings back quarterbacks from the dead, such as Nick Foles. Nick Foles was a backup for Alex Smith. He ended up being a Super Bowl MVP, getting paid in Jacksonville. Why don't you see a guy like Marcus Mariota come into a system with Andy Reid, rejuvenate himself? You know, Teams will actually think, okay, Andy Reid probably helped him out a lot. It's kind of like how he helped out Nick Foles a lot because he was in that system with him in, uh, in, uh, 
in uh, Philadelphia, and now he was in the system in Kansas City, so he knows him. Why doesn't he help out Mariota? That's why I think he's going to the Chiefs. I mean, I can understand that if, you know, if Mariota's people come calling Kansas City for a backup position and Kansas City calls Mariota's people for a backup position, I don't know who exactly would say no. But with that being said, I don't necessarily think that's happening. What I could see actually happening, and I might, I'm probably alone in this, I could see him going to New England on a cheap contract and then them going and drafting a quarterback and kind of taking a look at the market and seeing you know, who else they could have to, um, to go against Mariota for that position. Or, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that some quarterback is going to go to New England. I just can't quite tell who. I think Mariota would be, it would make sense to me. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I don't know where Mariota's going, man. Really, that's weird. He's not going to Kansas City, but I don't know where he's going. So those are the QBs right now that are looking for a home. There's some good QBs in this draft. We won't talk much about them, but we made a list. For me, from one to five, I say Joe Burrow, probably the best one out there. Agreed. Number two, Justin Herbert. I would say that as well. Number three, Jordan Love. And that, that's where we have a little bit of difference, but you uh, go ahead still. So. Number four, Jacob Eason. And 5-2, Otonga Valua. And see, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert at this point, we can agree, are definitely both the top one and two. I think that's because of Tua's injury. I think that otherwise it would have been Joe and then Tua in some order. But Justin Herbert right now being the number two and then Tua number three for me. I think Jordan Love is good. I, I think he has good prospectus here. We just didn't really hear a lot about him until, you know, over the last couple of weeks. I, I just, I'm kind of, I, I worry about guys who kind of come into the, the prospect, into the uh, combine and really build their stock that way. And I think that there's kind of that, that's Jordan Love's thing at this point. And then Jacob Eason, I think that he was kind of a guy who we didn't get, we didn't hear enough about over the course of the season, but he could be a guy who comes in. He might fall a little bit, but he will be a, a, probably a pretty good prospect for a team. See, I will just go to Jordan Love real quick. His sophomore year, he had 32 touchdowns, throwing only six interceptions. That's what, that was what they loaded, loaded offense for him. And yes, this year it wasn't that spectacular, only 20 touchdowns for 17 interceptions because he had to force a lot of throws. This is a guy that you put weapons around him, he's going to help your team out tenfold. That's what I believe. I could see him being a top 10 draft pick. You know, Jordan Love might be one of those guys who doesn't end up being a top 10 draft pick because a team looks at it the same way as you said. With, With weapons, he could be nice. And a lot of quarterbacks can, admittedly. But with weapons, Jordan Love could be especially nice. But without them, he might struggle. And I, I, I kind of question where a team would go in that position, you know, because the teams who, I mean, really, there's some nice position players in Cincinnati, uh, skill players, I mean, but they're going Joe Burrow. I don't know who else would take a flyer on him at this point. He, Jordan Love, I could see falling a little bit back down to earth. I don't know. That's that. I feel like I'm alone there, but I could see that happening. I do think also Jacob Eason is another guy who, you know, coming in as you know, leaving the draft early. could that? I wonder if that's going to end up impacting him and his draft stock as well. I wonder if he could fall based on that. I mean, he might have benefited from one more season. So those are our top five quarterbacks in the draft that's upcoming here in late April. I believe it's the 28th. I, I'm not 100% sure on there. No, it's intriguing. Nobody nobody uh, between the two of us have said Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts in this list. And I do think that uh, Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts is a guy who, could actually be really good. I don't know if he'll I, get drafted I like, like it, Hertz. but I think that he could be really nice. I I was debating on putting him at number five or Tua. And I was as well. And Jake Fromm also was in there for me. But I do think that Jalen Hurts and Jake Fromm have careers as well. And they might be better than Jordan Love or Jacob Eason, especially given draft position. Or they can also make it to the XFL. I was going from talking about guys that were could possibly make it to the XFL, because you know some quarterbacks in the upcoming draft could possibly make it their way there. XFL's fun. I enjoy it personally. 
Rocco, I know you enjoy it. We have Jay Binkley in here with us as and well now. Nobody enjoys it more, I think, in the, on the planet than Jay Binkley. I mean, it's true. Literally anything can, with the you, football, you nobody enjoys it more that. than Binkley. I enjoy it, not going to lie. Anything to do with the football, Binkley loves. But from the week four action, good product. can we all agree that the D.C. defenders are home babies? Because if they, if they only put up, I think it was six points against L.A., and then you put up nothing against the worst team. Well, I wouldn't say it's the worst team now. That gets the Vipers twenty-five to nothing. We thought they were the worst team. Like this is a this is a a bad football team away from home. I mean, I is, I can't understand it to be honest with you. Just like when they opened up um, in this ex, in the XFL, and I was thinking, man, this is a good football team. Mm-hmm. This is a very good football team. When you see what they did in Week One, what went in thirty-one to nineteen over Seattle. But then what really stood out is the following week. When they serve a shutout. Oh, yeah. Then all of a sudden they go on the road, and it's like, what happened to this team? Then getting waxed by Tampa that hadn't had a win? I had no idea that was coming. Oh, inconsistencies, man. Opens things up. And I mean, with that Tampa Bay team that completely waxed, I, I'm going to say they, they waxed the Guardians because they did. They easily ran right over them because both the running backs had over 100 yards, which is impressive to say the least. I don't, I don't think the last time I've seen an NFL team do back-to-back, well, two te- two players go for the 100 yards. The fact that XFL can because you can clearly see the exposed defense on the defenders. Yeah. And what the former first-round draft pick, Matt Elm, was released today from from there. So it's like it just doesn't make sense. Well, you, you have to look at it. I mean, you just look at the, in the inconsistencies. They have a chance. I mean, let's think about this. Are they still going to make the postseason? At two and two, is the New York Guardians going to stand up and play as well? New York Guardians are about as inconsistent as well. Oh, I agree. They look great and they look really bad. Oh no, the Guardians. Like, which team are you going to get? They looked great for the first half of Week One. That's all we've seen. And Luis Perez, it's a good thing that Matt McGloin is quote unquote hurt. I'm going to put quotation marks <laughs> on that. Matt McGloin's a terrible quarterback. He's going to yeah. find his way out of the Guardians system at some point. But L.A. was riding riding high. That's true. Going into New York and then getting and – get, well, of course, L.A. But took that big win over, what, D.C. defenders? But you got to think. Like, oh, we got to look at the Wildcats. And then they played the uh, Renegades close the week before. You got to think, though, a former Birmingham Iron quarterback who only lost one game with them. You, you knew if he started, he was going to win, though. That's my team, man. That's my hmm. jam. I really kept – see, going back to the last week, though, the Guardians losing to the Wildcats – or the Guardians being the Wildcats, I mean, but just barely – I thought the Wildcats were going to get blown out. I, I know that the, the Wildcats just came off of drubbing the defenders, but I just I was so surprised. Well, I, that's when you get things rolling. And then the fact that the Wildcats go on and lose the next week. I mean, I thought the Wildcats might have found their rhythm. That's Actually, they were a pretty good football team, and then I thought that maybe they find their rhythm by getting that win, and they just kind of collapse on themselves. But it's anybody's ball game for the number two seed. See, in the, in I love division. Sean Oakman, and I hope he does well for the Wildcats mm-hmm. because I, I feel like he could be a person that, I mean, he he missed out on a lot. He should have been number one overall draft pick in the NFL. Stop. No, yeah, I that believe, was, that I was believe far. He, he, no, he's he's a good, he was a good, good defensive end, defensive tackle, whatever you wanted to put him at in college. He was amazing for Baylor. He was, but not he'd, first he'd round. He'd win our press game. contest, wouldn't he? <laughs> I, I think he, I think he would beat you, Bing. I, think he would. I really do. I think he'd win. <laughs> um, uh, there are other other things that happen around uh, Renegades. I believe should have beat the Roughnecks last week. And you're the only one who thinks that, my guy. I I really think the Renegades should have. I mean, they had five turnovers, and four of them came from Landry Jones. I mean, that's what. But that, to me, that's why. Then once he leaves the game, I know that it felt like he was going to lead a comeback there. But after the game that Landry had had, I feel like he might have just you know well, taken three the turnovers, two three interceptions in the first half. Here's the thing. That team rides or dies with Landry Jones. I'll be honest with you. Landry had him in position 
to go down and win that football game until that yeah. quarterback sneak. And what do they always say? <laughs> I remember debating this with Pat Mahomes when he dislocated that D in Denver. Because I was like, because I, I was serious. I was like, and usually I'm for just running whatever plays you want. And, I, you know, he's a tough guy. But then that happens. And then they backed away from doing it. It's a very high percentage play, by the way. Usually right. these things do work out. Then Landry's hurt the same play, and I'm like, no! It's the same knee, which sucks the worst part. But, but he's it's, it's like high school teams. I mean, he's everything to that team. That quarterback, when you lose that quarterback, they get another shot at Houston later on this season. But I thought defensively the Renegades uh, played well. I mean, they, they looked as good of a, uh, defensively as any team had against the Roughnecks. And, but, I mean, the Roughnecks I being I feel like my the, team, maybe I'm biased. I feel like the Roughnecks were giving it to them. They were just pretty much, okay, we can't convert. I, you, they're easily a big play team. That's all the Roughnecks are. I mean, a big, throw it to Cam, uh, Cam Phillips. I think that, to him. it's interesting you say that, too, because nobody in the league goes for it on three uh, for the three-point conversion as much as the Roughnecks do. They've already gone for it four times this year. They've gone for the one-point conversion one or three times this season. Two-point conversion nine times. You should they're, go for it. It, spread, it opens the field up a little I bit agree. more. I agree. I don't, I don't, if I'm a team, I'm not going for the one-point conversion under mi- literally almost any circumstance. Minimum two-point every time. Every well, time. Yeah. You have I, a, I would do the three-point quite a bit, especially if you're coming here. back to the game. But two-point conversion, that's it, it opens the field a little bit more for you. And it takes away that running game a little bit for you if you just want to punch it in with the run. But it opens it up. If you have a viable quarterback, it opens things up or kind a of little like bit with more. The, with it being open up, kind of with the St. Louis Battlehawks game where Tiamo threw it in front of him. That's one forward pass. Well, it gives you the Pierce fade option. He just, a, yeah, throws it over the end zone because you can well, easily do that two passes. It, it easily fine. works that way. At the 10-yard line with the four- to five-step drop, you still have the fade as an element. If the fade could come Oh, yeah. In. Yeah, absolutely. And or the back like the, shoulder fade. And a few of these teams, like the Roughnecks and the Battlehawks, are geared to be able to execute that properly. Yeah. I don't think that the Battlehawks have gone for a three-point conversion this no, year. They no, they haven't. Two. They've gone for eight two-point conversions. but They no. were completely terrible for the first three weeks of the, of, the, of the season trying to go for one point. Conversions. Boy, weren't they misread before the season started. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. they were. I mean, I nine love- and a half point underdogs to a Dallas team that didn't have Landry Jones. I mean, that's <laughs> that's taking well, that's, candy from a baby because we know how good the Renegades are without Landry Jones, and it's not a good team. And I guess Philip Nelson is not the answer. No. Oh. <laughs> no. And Get Johnny Football out of retirement. Let's go. You, you would, Man, you, you would Tebow, say, where's he at? I don't open think, the checkbook. He's with the open Mets. Open the checkbook he's, he's a little gonna be, bit. He's going to be a starting day roster for the Mets. And that's, oh. that's, that's a hot take right there. But St. Louis is arguably the best team. I think they're the best team in the league. I know they. I don't lost, think there's they, a question. They are. They lost I, no, the Roughnecks. I, I have a question with that. It's 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 the Roughnecks. That's my number no. one team. No, you that's, can, that's the number one team in this in this league right now. You can easily beat the Roughnecks if you just guard Cam Phillips. And that's exactly what the Renegades did. Why doesn't did. anybody? Well, no, okay, no, the Renegades but, shut him down. But the they Renegades only had one, one reception. Right, and the Renegades still lost, and they still got uh, they still got what was it twenty seven points or twenty points hung on them or twenty seven yeah, points hung on touchdowns. Him. Yeah, that's a seven times ridiculous. He's crazy. I don't see Tiamu throwing five interceptions in a game, though. No, Tiamu's a stud, man. He moved up a lot on this MVP ranking list. I think. I like those wide receivers, though. I like some Marcus Lucas and Ladamian Washington, the Missouri stud. connection. Demornay Pearson, L, a man that's freaking. That's he's amazing. He's a, a great slot receiver. I, I I've seen some practice squad footage of him because he was on the Raiders squad last year. So I mean, <laughs> at least I know I know my guys. Plus, he, I'm pretty sure he's in the AAF as well. I think he was a uh, hot shot. I want to think. I don't know. He might have been also a, a, an express. I don't know. But St. Louis is the best team. It was your and team? My team was a Birmingham Iron. I was Birmingham. I didn't get into it. Oh man, I, I did not try. That, that's a, that's the the league that ripped my heart out real quick. 
I, I saw and that I, coming. And I don't see the XFL doing that at all anytime soon. Is that some sticking power? I, well, people are watching it. Before the, well, they are, uh, it's gone down a little bit, but it's it outdrew the combine, believe it or not. Um, the one thing about the XFL is they had the money and financial backing to at least make it two years. And I think the AAF was good for the XFL. They wouldn't be good if both of them were existing. Right. I think the XFL is a better run organization. I mean, when you have Oliver Luck running it and you had Dean Landino doing the, you know, a lot of the rules, it's got some viability. But not only that, but the financial backing to make it for two years. Not only that, but let the, the AAF rushed into things. Yes, they, yeah, they, they did. rushed into things. The XFL sat back, feet up, cigar. Watching the implosion. And it's like, I didn't even notice when the AAF started. I was like, I was with the channels like, what is this football? Like, I didn't understand it at all. Like, I completely forgot that they had a new league coming. And I was like, oh, crap, it's on TV right now. I didn't know anything on social media. The, the best thing about the XFL right now is the social media is because they are lit. They're all lit. It's amazing. And it's something that is going to be more valuable for people to watch. And I know people are talking about the numbers that they've declined. But the bottom line is... They're going to, when the XFL keeps shifting games over to television or cable, and I mean like FS1, mm-hmm. ESPN2, those things, when it's on Fox and when it's on ABC, you're going to get the big numbers. Oh, yeah. Now, when you're moving the games over to some on cable, that's why you see a lot of the ratings down, and people are putting emphasis in that, but you have to remember something. When these games are over the air, it's so much different because everybody's got them, especially in the cord-cutting yeah. age. Everybody still gets local television or whatever, but when you start moving, how many games are in – Cable this week. I think ESPN two has a one. Yeah, there's and Fox be, Sports one has one. Yeah, it's going to be two games on Saturday. We have ABC and Fox uh, for the Dragons, Rough and, and the huge. Guardians, Renegades. Yeah, the Saturday is going to draw again, just like it did last week. And uh, this, and then on Sunday, FS one and ESPN. Not well, ESPN two this time. It's kind of a primetime game. In the last game at like yeah. seven o'clock at night. Yeah, so eight, it's o'clock, kind of eight o'clock. Or eight o'clock. Yeah, is it seven central though? Isn't it? Um, nine o'clock Eastern? Eastern. Eight o'clock. Okay, eight o'clock yeah. central. Okay. On ESPN too. And that's not our regular ESPN. I mean, I can see for the Sunday games being watched more because I mean, let's just go to the ratings. Uh, for week one, twelve point five million people viewed it. Week four, five point five million viewed it. So yes, there's a huge drop. It's like almost a seven point, actually a seven million drop off. But, but that was there. to be expected. Yeah, yeah it no, really it's was. exactly. But the past two weeks, the Battle Hawks were at home, and people went to the games. A lot of people went to the games. They're on the road this week. That you're, they're in actually DC, so it's pretty much a hot topic, uh, hot ticket game. If you it, want to it, say. It, when there are so people, people are going to watch that game. Well, I know it, I'm going to. In St. Louis, trying to prove themselves. Like St. Louis has a little chip on their shoulder because the only market in the XFL without yeah, an NFL team. Suck it. No, but seriously though, they they have a little agenda. Yeah. Let's prove that we're a football town as well. Like that's where St. Louis comes out on everything. They, you know, the, this whole push to prove they they belong in the NFL. Well, and you know what? Um, they just announced is that that there's so much support by the fans in St. Louis. They're actually opening up the upper deck, which is so smart. It is. I mean, and it makes sense why it was closed before. So that way, it doesn't you don't see these sparse fans and it looks empty. But now they're opening it up. That's cool. I'm curious how much this is going to fill out after a few weeks on the road. All I know is I'm going to a Battle Hawks game on the 21st. They're taking on the LA Wildcats. I'm going to that game. What time is it? That is a 5, well, 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. You kind of got a hook up there for tickets, don't you? I, am, I, have, a, I have a hook up there for tickets because it may be the upper deck tickets. I don't know. It depends on what we actually get for watching-wise. But everybody was talking about Landry Jones was the face of the XFL but when the season was about ready to start. Well, clearly he's hurt. And well, they were saying maybe the year, but it looks like two weeks now. Yeah. And it's kind of was two to four be, weeks. Yeah. He was hurt through training camp too. He couldn't build that sync up with with the players. 
But he came back, you know, the, the next week. It was different. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was on an NFL roster as a backup quarterback, so which primarily all are. I'm curious to go right. with you guys, and I missed that conversation, who you see in the NFL and who you don't. As of right now, who do I see going into the NFL? There will be players. Oh, there will be. There will be. With, with the, the AF nine, that, make a roster, the fifty-three yes. man roster, something like that. I think the XFL will be ever bit that. And I think the person who the face of the XFL right now is that could possibly make that roster jump and I mean a backup quarterback is PJ Walker. And I'm this, hoping he doesn't as a yeah, right, that's, next fan. But. That, that's the bad part for about this league because this is a, a quote unquote development league, but they really haven't really said that yet. Because you know for a fact Vince is going to be like, no, I want to keep these guys here as much as possible because this is my product. I do not want people jumping ship to go to a more superior and better product because I can have you play here, but if you go to the NFL, you might get that paycheck, but you're not going to get that playing time. And it's absolutely something that the XFL needs to try to take precautions for early. They can't let their players get poached if they're going to keep this product. Because I promise you, part of the reason why people stopped watching from week one to week two and and moving forward was because of the fact that the product is not the NFL and people have that conditioned. If you continue to let it drop by getting these players poached to be backups in the NFL, that's going to be a problem for the XFL. They're going to have to figure something out to make sure that Yes and happen. no. I, I think it'll also clear the roadmap for a lot of guys because you got to publicize it. You know, don't, don't be afraid to publicize when guys make an NFL roster. That's true. Because then guys may take the chance. They're like, hey, man, you know, the XFL was, was, was a launching point for these guys in their career. And who knows? You may get guys back. Guys get cut on NFL rosters the next season. Think, you know what? This is my ticket to get back into the NFL. And right now, you don't have a developmental league with the NFL. Uh, they just haven't gone in on the AAF. People thought they had an affiliation with the AAF in the beginning because they showed some of the games on NFL Network. And that's why Duden pulled out. And they talked about it. The XFL and the AAF know the, the NFL's watching it. Um, but again, as I've always said, I think the NFL won't uh, do it because their primary uh, farm system is big-time college football or and it's players that shine at different levels. That's why 255 guys drafted this year in the NFL. It's a very small pool that you get your talent from, and they don't have to pay uh, insurance. Well, all I know is from the talent of watching AAF games to XFL games, there's a lot more talent in the XFL. It feels like it at least. And I wonder about the defensive side because some of those defensive players in the XFL definitely look outmatched by some of the offensive players. I know that's to be expected, and you know, but still, the the offensive players look really impressive in the XFL to me. There's still some issues on defense. So. And there's there, yes, there is some issues on defense, but there's also a little bit of issues with the wide receivers not catching footballs. No, that's and, not and a that's, lie. That's the bad part, and it's at least cleaned up a little bit since week one and two. But the, you're, you're starting to see these playmakers. You are starting to see the quarterbacks. Okay. I'm going to throw it to uh, Tompkins. Uh, Cardell's going to throw it to Tompkins uh, for D.C. Or, of course, Cam Phillips, an easy target. Or even put, uh, is it uh, Nick Holly, Nick Holiday, or the other rep next to a wide receiver? So uh, you are starting to see these valuable options for these quarterbacks right now. But there's also one person on defense that I wish that, that was in the AAF that needs to be in the XFL is Carter Schultz, the, the Stallions defensive end. Love that guy. He, I think he led the league in sacks over there. Well, the Chiefs had that, so many from their need, practice squad that uh, ended up in this league, which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, uh, two of them were in on St. Louis right now. And Kim Phillips, by the way, had his chance. It was, I think it was originally with Buffalo. I think people will be looking because of the amount of touchdowns he played at Matha in high school, which is a big time program. It was with the Bills in eighteen. So he hadn't had very much of an opportunity. He went undrafted back in 2018. But 
he catches the football and he's been doing it in traffic and he's been getting touchdowns, that will get him an invite to an NFL camp. It absolutely should. And, you know, another thing to do with the drops, I think, is the increased you know, fear of getting blown up over the middle that these wide receivers have in the XFL compared to the NFL or college football. And I think there were some increased footsteps, you know, maybe from week one to week two, and then they started settling back into that well, as well. Well, was oh, on clearly. the practice squad, but he was actually activated to the active roster and was then quickly he? released. But. So you, ha- you had a, a small a small window there, but does you that you think yourself, you gotta, you man, have to, that's, that's the thing there. you have to prove yourself. Does that prove help you? Ground. Does that help you or hurt you if you started in the NFL and had a short window, but you were at least on a roster and then go to the XFL? Do you think that helps uh, or I, I hurts think, you? I think it helps you because the number one thing that NFL teams want to know and why they ask so many uh, prospects at the combine: Do you love football? That's actually become a big question in the foot in 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 football because of Borland in San Francisco. You know, right. he, he retires after one year. And the question, how much do you love football? And he really didn't give much indication. He didn't. But that's what guys are hammered on. You hear with Mahomes all the time. He loves though. football. He lo- but he didn't have any. True. Yeah, he didn't. He true. didn't want to end up that way. And I mean, I feel him. But he wasn't somebody who just loves football. I mean, and that's fair. That's fair. And then you have guys like Pat Mahomes, and so there's the the whole other side of the coin there. But you you hear that term "loves football" a lot more than you used to. Because you either get a paycheck in the NFL or you want to play football. That's that's pretty much what it is. It's a job. You play in the XFL means you love the game. Exactly. Oh yeah, you love it. That's why it's for the love of the game. For the love of the game. <laughs> for the love of the game, right? It's great there. branding, man. It really yeah, is. It is. Um, uh, let's just do a little pick 'em thing. Why not? There's four let's games. All right, Seattle. Houston. I'm very good at this, by the way. Is Can that you right? remember these rockers right, for tomorrow night? I will. You, you want to? I can talk I, I don't want to differ. I'll have to give these out tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I'll get you. And your job is, hey, last night, this is what you said, because I don't want to give something here and then something <laughs> different on Friday. Uh, I got I'm on the spot I'll, here now. But. I'll happily be your assistant. All right, Seattle and Houston. <sighs> give me Houston. Houston all day. It's easy. Yeah, that's that's a clean, clean sweep right there for Houston for that. Uh, New York and Dallas. The Guardians and the Renegades. Here's the thing, man. <laughs> I hate to go against my Dallas Renegades, but you don't have Landry Jones, man. I've seen this team without him. New York is so up and down, but so is Dallas without Landry Jones. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to go. And keep in mind, the Renegades couldn't even score through seven quarters at the beginning of the season. That was difficult. Give me New York. I'm going New York because Luis Perez. If he's the name, the starting quarterback, which I hope he is, I can't stand Matt McGloin. There's there's personal reasons as well for Matt McGloin as well. How, Give me Luis Perez and the New York Guardians against Dallas. How can you guys make the Roughnecks, the lifelong Roughnecks fan, be the only person to pick the Renegades? I mean, <laughs> we we just talked about the fact that the Guardians cannot win on the road, and they cannot. They've been terrible on the road, and they've been really good at home. Well, they are playing this game in Dallas. Give me the Renegades. All right, so a home game for. DC taking on the St. Louis Battlehawks. We were talking about DC being the the road team. Never mind. But the, but the Guardians are terrible on the. Road I don't as care well. if they play this game oh, yeah. on Mars. Give me the <laughs> Battlehawks. Yeah, I'm, same here. I'm going St. Louis because it's St. Louis, man. It's my team. That's my team right there. And then the the primetime game on Sunday night. The Vipers are traveling to the Wildcats. I don't want any part of this game. Then give me the Wildcats because the Vip DC just laid down for Tampa Bay. And I, evidently, they, they'll lay down on the road. So, this game's in L.A., correct? This is in L.A. Give me L.A. Give me the Wildcats. Kramer, you go first. I don't know. It, this one, it's either I'm going with Cornelius and the Vipers or Johnson and the Wildcats. I, I, I can't Josh go Vipers, Johnson, though, man. I, Josh Johnson, can he can easily throw 300 yards, and hopefully Nelson Spruce is healthy to play. That guy, that guy, you talk about a guy that could be in the NFL. Yeah. Right. He's, the only reason why he's not in the NFL because of injuries. Yeah. That's, that's the main reason why. Uh, I'm going L.A. on this. 
I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Partially to be different, partially because I said uh, on your show earlier in the the season that I'm never going to pick LA. Lifelong Vipers fan. They're a trash organization. Uh, no, they do the, have sick uniforms. The Wildcats are trash. <laughs> they are. Yeah, that is. I, I, I want one of those helmets. The mini helmets. <laughs> oh, you any place to sell those yet? I collect um, those things, you know. You know, uh, all over the place. Speaking online. of like helmets, wise, I was looking through Amazon. I typed in AAF merchandise. Yeah, you can buy a full like Memphis Express or Atlanta Legends uh, football helmet. For like really? Two, for 200 bucks. 200 bucks. 200 bucks. <laughs> That's actually not bad, but I don't know how the heck those people got that. I heard after the AAF went out of business, their stuff didn't drop Is in price at all. Is there any USFL stuff out there, like um, like uh, the Pittsburgh Maulers? Oh, the Maulers. Did you know Steve Young still gets paid by the USFL, I think? Or he's kind of got... Yeah, he had a 40-year deal. Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals like uh, Bonilla. Oh, those, happy yeah. Bobby Benia day. It's coming up. No, but Steve Young, <laughs> I, it might be out now, but he got, he was getting paid by the USFL still, that's even crazy. though the league's defunct. That's crazy. Jeez. All right, that's our XFL talk here. There is one more thing I want to bring up. Did anybody see um, the thing about how Mummy breaking his leg? Yeah, how about that toughness? Okay. okay, that was crazy. So he broke his leg halfway through the second quarter of the game on Saturday, and then they found out afterwards that it was broken. He'd stay on the sideline calling plays. How Mummy uh-huh. uh, quote tweeted this tweet saying, I'm not soft, hashtag air raid. That's how that Mummy was, is like, he's he's I'm the truth. Sh- didn't Cameron Artis and Payne run him over? Yeah, he absolutely destroyed him. I was watching that game at a gas station on my phone, just sitting uh, sitting in my car because I didn't want to go home without, you know. So that's <laughs> why you text me and say, hey, I'll text you after the game. That's, yeah, that's, that's literally. Why you, yeah, I'm watching dude. on my phone. Here's the story. Flash base from this from like 2013 on CBS. Steve Young's 43-year, 40 million dollar USFL <laughs> contract. The billionaire owner of USFL's LA Express lured Young to the new league by basically offering four-year, 40 million contract that would be payable over 43 years. Unreal. That's crazy. A 40 th- what? Received four million right up front line. base salaries of uh, salaries of two hundred thousand, two eighty three thirty, and four hundred thousand over the four year um, deal, but the Express would pay him the final thirty million over thirty seven <laughs> years, from the time he turned twenty eight until he turns sixty five. The contract was set up as an annu- annuity. Young had funded the annuity. He would have get be getting a one million dollar check in two thousand fourteen. So. So when's oh. his final year for that? that when he's sixty-eight. Does oh this have God. does this have any potential? Sixty-five. In the, does this have potential in the XFL? Could, could a team do this to try to get Tebow? Uh, I don't know. I thought he took all. I, I didn't realize he was still getting paid, but um, evidently he's still um, he, he's Bobby Benilla of the football world. I mean, there's worse things to be. So that's so Trump's still paying him. Pretty much. That's what. <laughs> well, that's pretty no, much. No, LA saying. owner is. Oh, LA owner is. Yeah. The LA owner's paying him. Uh, I wonder if he has anything to do with the Wildcats because they suck. They're a terrible organization. I love their uniforms though. I really do. Their uniforms are sick. Oh, I wish I wish they could play against the Battlehawks. I, I could be there for that one because I would boo, <laughs> boo you Wildcats. That's a lot of money back in the mid '80s, man. That, that, that is what forty. What you said, forty million dollars. Forty million dollar contract. Three years. That's how they lured players to play in the USFL. Yeah, they try to like they try to trap them there. That's exactly what they tried to do because they knew that, that that's a thing. When that's that a, thing came around, that's when the NFL was failing because they had their player strike, or I, I believe that's what it was. And the players, all right, everything cleared up. 
I mean, you're telling me one of these teams. Man, there's won't... some history there for you, Bink. You probably I know. knew I knew that. <laughs> you're telling me one of these teams wouldn't be I'm like. I'm fascinated hey. by the Steve Young thing now that you guys conjured my memory of this. So, like Tyrod Taylor, here's a 15 year contract. You know, we'll pay you like, you know, $30,000 a year right now. But then after this, our owner will pay you, you know, a million dollars a year. I can see Tyrod Taylor tearing it up in the XFL. I mean, I'm just saying, if PJ Walker leaves, the, the Roughnecks should have their. Uh, we should have a phone call with Tyrod's agent. So I don't know if this ran out or not, but in 2014, he still got a million dollars. That's 20 years after the, uh, well, 94 to, no, that's 30 years after. That's 30, yeah. The 1984 deal, he signed 84. Some people have all the luck. Can I just have like a, like a thousand of that, please? Can I just hold a 20 until like Friday? <laughs> that's going to do it here for this podcast. It went off the rails real quick. <laughs> for Rocco, Bink, and myself, it's been the Rookie Showcase. See you next time.